HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by the Christmas Tree Farmers Association of New York, partnering with Grow NYC on a pilot project to make farm fresh trees and wreaths available at green markets. For more information, visit ChristmasTreesNY.org. Hey, what's up? This is Jack Inslee, host of Full Service Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this show, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Under the white chalk, drawn on the blackboard. Under the X ray, I'm just a
is Darren Bresnitz coming to you live from the parking lot outside Trois Familia on beautiful Sunset Strip. I guess this is not the Sunset Strip that people think of when they think of LA. No. I'm here with uh, John and Vinny of Many Restaurant, uh, Famousness Animal, uh, Son of a Gun, John and Vinny's Trois Familia, and the list goes on. Welcome to Snacky Tunes, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Uh, so, the new restaurant, Trois Familia. Gangbusters from the gate uh, What made you guys, you know I mean, we can get back to the beginning of how it all started But as your new iteration What made you want to open up up in Silver Lake And especially this part of Sunset Well, John and I have always loved Silver Lake And the right opportunity Just never really came our way um, I think before we opened Animal We were sort of looking out here And uh, nothing really came our way that, that seemed like a good opportunity For us And, uh, you know Five restaurants later, we ended up. Uh, this space was a call to Ludo um, via broker. Um, found out that this woman was looking to retire and get out, and we knew the space. John and I are big fans of El Cochinito, which is one of our neighbors. Uh, one of the first restaurants we ever even ate at here when we moved to Los Angeles. Um, so we knew the area. Uh, John and I used to live on Normandy and Fountain. Um, so we hung east side. A lot And um, We've always loved it out here And I think it's a great Community And people that have already Supported our restaurants And We're happy that we can Kind of be a part of uh, This neighborhood now We actually Believe it or not Lived also On Normandy And used to romp In Silver Lake All the time Is this back in the beginning Back back in in the In the very beginning days Of our catering career And actually Did a little bit of cooking Out of the house For a short minute On Normandy Totally on code right Totally under. Well, now it's legal to do. When we were doing, it was actually illegal. But yeah, it was small fry. It's definitely not like we weren't. We weren't like doing mass. We were throwing like taco parties at people's like weddings. We'd also throw some mean parties there. I'm sure you did. Um, So let's go back to the beginning. How long have you two known each other? Wow, Um, fifteen years I think is is our uh, relationship. And fifteen. It's well, yeah, fifteen years. So, you know, partners who have been partners for this long, did you, like, see each other and knew that... Did you have that you don't love you, at first sight type of thing? That well, partnership you know, we had a friendship. We, we, we had a solid friendship, I we were, would say, within we were the good friends. We had a... We just, like, really... You know, we were into a lot of the same things. We kind of grew up in similar uh, household background sort of uh, thing. And we, we just connected... I, we just con- <laughs> we just connected honestly like we connected on cooking and food we just we both loved it we both loved the energy of the kitchen we were both like we were both just like we wide eyed like you know hyped up kids that wanted to just cook all day and that in was a weird it. way we kind of pushed one another like without probably even realizing it because the other person was always I mean we were so into it I mean we Ate hundreds and hundreds of meals together and Still we were do. in culinary school together right and we were we worked in the same restaurants together Majority of our culinary career Outside, you know, after high school You know, we both had a short We, had, we both dabbled into it In high school uh, You know, when we had to get jobs Totally separate And, you know, it's it's amazing that it's still going I mean, you know, back in 2000 And that early time Food was not what it is now So did you find like the conversations you were having or were different than the way other people were talking about food. Well, food's I mean, just like know. food's just I mean, changed. It's like yeah. you know, I think like I think guys have found ways to make really delicious food 
uh, more approachable and mm-hmm. less expensive, right? So it's sort of like, you know, the fine dining and the grand cuisine and all of, you know, haute cuisine and all these trends and things that kind of came through. And the 90s was a good time to cook, I think. Like, people didn't rely now on, you know, like we do on social media and, yeah. you know, blogs and also, like, eater. And, and it's funny because, like, uh, food was always good, though. Was what and, I my you point. Know, yeah. like the big one of the big food trends now is like being like super hyper, super hyper hyper local, local, super hyper local with your ingredients. Yeah, and like, which is a little bit of tongue twister. Sorry, super hyper local. Out. Yeah, but it's like in the nineties, it was only just about like just the best ingredients, getting the best ingredients right, to right, wherever right. you were at, and like you know, and like. So, I mean, it we've was, been talking about that a lot again. Yeah. We've been like, let's just get the best stuff. Like, yes, local's great and it's awesome and we love it, but let's just try to make and the most delicious it, food. Yeah. Totally. And listen, you try for local when you can. We don't beat people over the head with it. No, no. I mean, I, I think it got to the point where you see people who just take that trend and are just trying to show that they're the best of that trend and not actually making the best food possible. Great chefs are great shoppers. Yeah. You know, and, like, I think, like, I love that aspect of it, of finding, like, really cool, interesting ingredients. Like, we buy ingredients from Japan. We buy ingredients from the UK. We buy stuff from our backyard, you know? It's like, we we aren't too hung up on that that side of things. It's like, the most important thing to us is that the food tastes good. Um, and I think, like, if there's one thing to say about all of our restaurants, like, you can find something at every one of them. Would you agree with every dish? No, I didn't. Right. You know, but there's something delicious on there for everybody at every restaurant. So when you guys you have this friendship, you have the same feeling about food. Uh-huh. What was uh, the decision to move to LA? Like, who, did one of you bring it up first, or it was, was it by chance? Um, yeah, we we're trying to move to San Diego. Actually, that's. <laughs> uh, I think you dodged the bullet then. We did. Uh, well, we, I mean, yeah. maybe we didn't. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you never know. Like, life always gives you. You know curves and like I mean we weren't planning on necessarily having a place in Silver Lake you know six yeah. months ago eight right. months ago it's like but the opportunity came through and like you know it's always fun to work with Ludo and like it just made sense for us all to do it you know between the three of us you know what I mean like so um there was no clear shot of like and like LA is the next destination it just we were living in Colorado John right. and I were living in Vail with or a, that we would see the kind of success that we have had here in LA I mean I feel every day like no way I you feel couldn't. so fortunate you know it's like oh my I God. and like I think a lot of people don't realize like you know how hard we still work on it and like how hard we worked on it before we even got to this point like I feel like I don't work as hard as I did then but it was like it's you know, different work. Different you know? kind it's of work. Different, it's a different kind of... I mean, and I think the tough thing is, is as you guys grow the restaurant and grow things and the business grows, it's a lot easier to look at, like, a pile of potatoes that you've diced or cut or... Yeah, mashed. but I'm just saying it's always changing. Yeah, it's always... Know, but it's always it's change. Always, and, like, that same goes with, like, the way that we work as a team. It's like, things are always changing, you know? It's like... And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like we constantly are evolving and like I think that's our goal with the restaurants and all because we ended up here in LA and not San Diego doesn't mean that we would have had the same kind of response you know we sure like you know what I'm saying is we work for I mean but one could argue that you are the two guys who have helped usher in this new 
like the way that people see the LA food scene. I mean, it's it's always honoring when somebody says that to me. But I know, look, I know that you guys can't say that. But yeah. I'm saying just you know, I can say from being on the East Coast and hearing about Animal and what was going on. That was one of the first restaurants that really started. And not at the fine dining level to start making way something that, like, I want to get to L.A. and try this restaurant. Yeah, I think, like, you know, it's so weird, like, I mean, we're flattered that people even think of us as, like, something that's setting a trend, you know? I think, like, we really, honestly, like, we opened that restaurant because we wanted to serve food that we love to cook, and we wanted to service that neighborhood. And that was, like, it. That was, like, that was, like, there's other restaurants that are around us that are really good. They're a little bit more fancy than us. Let's just try to do something that feels a little younger and more, like, who we are and what cooks really like to do and, like, kind of keep it interesting in that sense for them and for us and for the diner. And that was the goal. And it was, like, we were making mistakes left and right, but we were figuring it out as we went along. And we didn't know it was going to be what it is now. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's hard when you get like, when you get that popular, I think the hardest thing to, to see happen for us has been the dilution of it. Yeah. The like, sort of like guys that like think they understand what the whole process was behind that. And like the amount of work that we put into what those dishes were and what they made people feel, I think wasn't something that, um, is easily as copied as it actually is. It's like yeah. people are doing it all over the place, but I, I think that like what makes a food scene interesting is the diversity and LA is now becoming more diverse. Right. Guys are kind of like, I don't want to do that. I want to do something else, which is great. And that's what we want as a community. We want people doing more different things and servicing everybody in their neighborhoods and like kind of bringing a different sort of idea and flavor to those neighborhoods is what's good. It's when you have things like what we're doing and then people like right around the corner trying to just knock it off because popular there. Right. That doesn't, that's not a good food community. No. That's why New York has always been so amazing. It's like guys are always like, Oh, they went that direction. I want to go that direction. I mean, yeah. And that's what's always pushed that place. And I think, you know, we're now seeing it again. Now guys are sort of like, okay, we can't, we can't keep doing what animal did or, you know, the the son of a gun one is the one that's funny to us because it's like, you know, we felt there was a lack of, you know, sea quality seafood restaurants yeah. in LA. Seafood's difficult in Los Angeles. There's not a lot of local fish here. Um, but you can get anything you want because it's such a major city. But it's actually really bad, you know, bring it down to the business model. It's actually a really bad business model. <laughs> it's like seafood is one of the things that's depleting faster than anything else. It's more scarce every day. The costs go up every day. Um, it's hard to run a really hardcore seafood driven menu is what I'm saying. And it's interesting to see people still opening these places like, you know, the pokey thing right now. It's uh, like, the pokey thing's huge. it's crazy. And you're like, you're literally just giving people a bowl of fish and rice. And it's like, that's not sustainable at all. No, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. And it's like, tuna is like one of the least sustainable things out there. And it's just being like, just killed. So I don't know. We're kind of, it's an interesting thing. You know, it's like we, you know, started out here at Swa Familia and we were like, you know, brunch is like a thing out here. I know. And we were like, let's capitalize on that. Not only for us, but for the community, you know, it was like these people, they want more places and more options to go. People all the time ask us the other place people ask us to go is the West side. And you kind of, I always look at people and I'm like, 
you guys have so many great restaurants over there. Like, you really want us to come over there? And they're like, yes, we want more diversity. Yeah. And that's what's good, you know? You don't go down there and copy Travis or Suzanne. It's like you go down there and do your own thing. Exactly. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to talk more about the diversity, especially within your own restaurants. Uh, we have a song from Oberhofer coming up that was live on Snacky Tunes, and we're sitting in the car outside Trois Familia, uh, live on the show. I'll just keep on stumbling Right now it feels too humbling To tell you what I want And the city's feeling queer and crass With beer cans growing blades of grass To look like something new my shoes but you wish you could count for every inch and every ounce of everything that you meet and you'll die by the time you're 30 slithering snakes and garden rakes don't got what it takes to give you what you need. Snacky Tunes here with John and Vinny of uh, Trois Familia, Petit Trois, Annual, Son of a Gun, John and Vinny's. Did I miss anything? It's all five, right? Um, Trois Max. Six. Six. Six now, yeah. Six. So, I mean, you know, I think one could look at your restaurants and you're talking about diversity and, and see the common theme of how you approach each restaurant, but each restaurant's so different. I mean, you have French Bistro to a Mexican French brunch place to an uh, Italian place. Like, how do you decide what the next product is? Well, I mean, is? I think part of it is, you know, like, it depends. Like, yeah. for the stuff that we've done with Ludo, it's like, 
that obviously it's like we've worked as a team the three of us and really kind of develop what we all think makes sense and like you lean on uh, people's expertise and like you know Twa Mac you know was something that I think we all were you know interested in adding to the LA food scene and then uh, you know Petit Twa just made the most sense it's like I mean, why would you yeah. not open this like cool little French bistro uh, you know Ludo obviously you know being uh, he's actually getting knighted I think no uh, yeah next week like Sir Ludo uh, I believe I believe something uh, something oh some, some some cool award that I'm psyched for but it's like makes him like more French than he already is <laughs> <laughs> how did that partnership come about I just mean kinda, we just cooking together yeah, in LA together. and just yeah, yeah, and like we really and... we really felt like I mean we're like man this guy is so talented like yeah. Unbelievable that he doesn't have a place to call home that like he feels comfortable that he can do whatever he wants. It's his call, it's his yeah. shots, and that's what he does. And like and that's our, what we've we just wanted to help him. Like yeah. honestly, like that's how the relationship started. It was like you're too talented and you're too important for LA to not have you in a place where people can find you all the time. Yeah, I mean, because I fa- I mean I've gone in there. The Ludo bites thing was just nuts. It's like yeah, I mean the pop ups always great, but it's got to lead. To something and I mean I feel like I see Ludo in the kitchen all the time. as much as I see you guys in the kitchen like yeah. it's never like it's just his name on the door yeah. yeah he's serious he's actually he's very very serious and you know that's the projects with him have been really fun and like you know obviously uh, and hard you know yeah. like it's been hard like when we went to go do Twan Mech you know it was the first time we were working together but then not only that but it was, it was sort of understanding each other on that level but th- there was this sort of like we wanted to do something really new for the dining scene of Los Angeles and like a new restaurant model with a, a special cuisine that spoke to who Ludo is and what LA is and what his influences are. And I think it was like, we went everywhere from like three courses to 18 courses to, you know, $300 a person to $50. We kind of, and we found this like middle ground that seemed to be just perfect for the, for the size space it was. Yeah. And like John Ludo said, wanted to keep it affordable. Yeah. It's like yeah. one of his things. It's and like, I mean, it's not cheap, but it is like, you could afford to go. Anybody can really save to go there. Exactly. Yeah. At any price point in what you make, because it is still approachable, food like price point for what is considered somewhat fine dining environment. And yeah. how did how did I mean having your partnership for so long, where I'm sure you guys can like share a look and know what the other person's thinking. How do you bring someone in, like a third partner like that? You learn. I mean, you learn how to work together, and it's like I mean now, like going into this place, I think it's like, I mean, it shows. I think. Uh, in overall kind of just the environment. I mean, it, 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 this Twa Familia kind of worked out so smoothly and it's like, cause the three of us are becoming so good at working together, you know? And, and that's something that me and Vinny obviously have had, you know, and now we've added a third person in the mix on those projects. And like, we hope to add more people, you know, yeah. like we hope to kind of, you know, me and Vinny, I think one of the things that we talk a lot about is becoming kind of this place that could, harbor a lot of you know great talented people and talented restaurants and concepts in a in a group um and it's something that we're working towards a lot of talented people in our industry get into bad situations yeah and like we want to come at it from like we want to support people's ideas and we're going to be super selective about who of we course work, who we work with but but i think that there's there are talented people out there that just don't find themselves in the right environment you know and they don't get supported and we want to do that for people like ludo and help them sort of 
uh, understand what they want to do with their restaurants, you know, yeah. and like what what our experiences that we've had and the things that we've learned and the mistakes yeah. that we've made and how we can sort of take well, that I mean, and grow we're from there. To do another place with Ludo next year, you know, that out in the <laughs> valley, a little another petit trois. I mean, that's 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 that was our goal and actually how we found this place. Yeah, it's because we were looking for another petit trois and like we don't have a spot yet, but. You know, we're constantly looking, and it's only a matter of time. With is it going to open next year? Who knows? You know, like yeah. depends on the location. It's like, but our goal is by the end of next year, not this year, end of next year, to ha- have a space, and we could do a petit one. It's like it makes sense. Ludo lives in the valley. There's a lot of people out there that are just dying yeah. for some good food that come to already to petit trois. Petit trois. It's like we haven't done a uh, a replica of one of our restaurants. Uh, and it's going to be the first time that we attempt it. But, like, we hope to do the same with John and Vinny's. And, like, maybe not to the Valley, but it's like, you know, I know that a lot of people from the West Side have asked us to put a John and Vinny's over there. And, like, you know, our hope is that we can, you know. It's like whether that happens in two years, you know, like ten years, like, we don't know. You know, it's like that's uh, what we're all talking about right now. So let's talk about Trois Familia. I mean, you know, as you mentioned before, brunch has become sometimes a hated word by chef, but a, a loved thing by people who go to it. I mean, when I heard, or when anyone heard French Mexican brunch, <laughs> it was just like, what was that? So how did how did that idea come? I mean, and it, having eaten there, it, it works so perfectly. It works. It's like we kind of thought there were a lot of like interesting parallels, you know? Yeah. Like, the way that I think it's a lot of like technique and some basic ingredients, you know. Yeah. Um, and then sort of like, how can we make it interesting but make it approachable? Like, you kind of. It's not. We literal. didn't. We didn't want. It's not literal. Yeah, it's we one didn't. Thing that people have to always like. Right. It's not a literal termination, but or a literal literal translation of it's. You know, kind of like our play on it. You know right. what I mean? And it's, it's we didn't want to be. We knew what we didn't. We started like kicking the ball around, and we didn't want to like. We didn't, we knew that there were so many taco places that were, you know, yeah, like you know had our well respected yeah. places out here that we just we didn't want to try to do that. So we were like, how can we bridge this sort of like this used to be a California a Mexican restaurant, and like how can we? Do something that has a little Mexican flair to it, but still speaks to who Ludo is and um, and to what the brand Twa is, you right? Because Twa is a brand that we, the three of us, have really, I mean, went at for a while now, a couple years. You I know, mean, you definitely know the food or the approach to the food they're going to get when you go into Petit Twa or Twa Familia, yeah, yeah. or Twa Mac, Twa Mac. Um, how quick I mean that menu came together the whole thing came together I feel like six months three like at three months yeah three I months. mean how did you put a menu together that hit so well the menu actually was the last thing that comes really? together I well mean, the menu is still in the work yeah I mean that's what's cool about we're only three know, weeks old I mean it's things have come off there's some new things coming on it might even be on today I gotta go see if they got that the you know the new sandwich on we're working uh, on a duck confit thing right now. I mean, is it just one of those places where you're just going to be constantly evolving oh, and changing? Yeah. Or are you going to try and... Because I know so much of social media is like, I see that, I want to go eat it, I want to go... We'll settle into... We've already settled into some of those things. Um, sort of like those, those you know, uh, instant classics, I yeah. guess you could say, right off the bat. But we've already... We've already taken some things off that we struggled with in the kitchen to produce, 
um, from the start. Uh, is the honey coming back? Because that honey was the honey, the honey yogurt, the arrowed yogurt. Oh yeah, you know, you know what? They were the crowd didn't take to it. Yeah, they weren't. They were the selling like so. Like we're, we're <laughs> I, I thought like I we got it blown away. Like it was so, and I'm not just. And the you fact were that maybe I'm, you were one of seven that ordered it. I mean, I'm telling you, I know the fact that I'm talking about yogurt, but like, no, it's cool. But it was like, it was so unexpected. We, yeah, we thought it was great too, but like, you know, like the the people sort of like will tell you what they want to eat, right? You know, and like we were like, well, I guess we're not the yogurt place. You know, it's like we thought <laughs> right, it was right. like always like that good option for for people to. Like you know, if you, yeah. Well, if somebody didn't, they didn't want to get into something a little more decadent or spicy, or you know, they just wanted something a little straightforward. It was straightforward. It was like it was just aerated and it had honey in it, and it's all these things that you already eat, you know. Yeah. And uh, that was like a clown car. Did you see all those? I know. Man. Out of there, there was like twelve people that just got out of that car. Uh, that was amazing. Sorry. No, no, no. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but but I mean, like right off the bat, I mean, people have just taken to it. I, you yeah. Know, it's like. You scratch this itch that people didn't even know they had. Yeah, I think like when people wanted it, right? They already did want it. They wanted chili killies. Yeah, it's just our interpretation. They wanted a burrito, chicken milanese. So it's like everybody loves to eat chicken for lunch. You know, it's like it's just bright and cucumbers. It's refreshing. It's like ranch. It's kind of like yeah, we made it with Maggie, but it it doesn't seem. I guess to some people it seems like uber creative, and to us it seemed to be like we're we're we're. We're trying to give you, make you happy, and give you what you want, and have a little fun with it, you know. And I think like that's what comes across, you know. It's it's uh, egg dish, it's an egg sandwich, you know. Yes, it's done with good ingredients, and good eggs, and good bread, and you know, so all the integrity's there. It's just, you know, we we kind of felt like um, we knew what the community they 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 told us what they right. wanted. I mean, you I, know? Th- I think brunch has lost a lot of that integrity. Yeah, and, like, I mean, it, you know, brunch wasn't always a bad thing. I think it just became bad because people didn't care about it. Like, Giant portions, yeah. bad quality, not good recipes, you know, like, we came at it with, like, we still come at everything with, like, that sort of high-end cuisine mentality, and, like, we looked at it like, how can we make this really efficient, you know, because once you do sit down after a little bit of a wait, yeah. you know, the food comes pretty quickly. And the soundtrack is yeah. perfect for a hangover. Thank you. Who, yeah. p- who picked the music for this one? Helen and I worked really hard on it. Ludo's throwing in his little touches, um, and I think everybody... is involved this time. Everybody in the... Everybody in the... Mostly because um, of scheduling. But everybody... But, I mean, just on the playlist, I mean, everybody in the... Everybody, you know... Partakes yeah. in it. Chase is actually the manager is getting getting most. He's of got it now. super into it. Most of the records are actually his. Believe it it's or great. not, and it's a it's a mix of records and iPod and then iPod. Yeah, yeah just because like, like if it gets really really pumping in there, they can't get distracted by player, flipping five, records. Five songs doesn't get you. <laughs> yeah, why the eggs burn? I was flipping from A to B. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Well, listen, guys, I want to thank you. Thank you. I know you guys are busy. Congrats on everything. Thank you. Uh, where can people find you? What's the best way to find you online? Just to Google the restaurants, you know, Animal, yeah. Son of a Gun. Type in John and Vinny's into your computer, I guess. I don't know. What w- one of those sites control. will always bring it to the other. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, cool. guys. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate it. And uh, we got a song from Blood Orange coming up next here on Snacky Tunes. I feel unique, not yet complete. Your freezing eyes fall on me. Pour me, pour you. Pour us, what's wrong with a little touch? I'm just a boy, so lonely. I am not your savior. 
your savior, baby girl. I am not your savior. I am not your savior. One, two, three, four, green in me. Young incomplete in your freezing fires. Warm me, pour me, pour you, pour us. What's wrong with a little touch? I'm just a boy, I'm so lonely. I am not your savior. I am not your savior, baby. Girl, I am not your savior. I am not your Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. I'm the other half of your host, Greg Bresnitz. Uh, shout out to Blood Orange, who's going to do two big shows at the Apollo next week. Um, fundraiser, which should be pretty interesting. Um, want to welcome Arms. Hello. Back to the show. Do you, do you want to do Arms? Do you want to do your, your real name? You can call me Todd Goldstein. Uh, if you want. Oh, well, Arms is like... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is it Arms or Todd Goldstein? I like to say my name is Todd Goldstein and I record songs under the name Arms. Oh, man, that's going to... Okay, we'll just say Todd. Okay, just call me Todd. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I, pr- I probably won't even say the name afterwards. Just I, call it, me it, Hey. Just, just you. thank you at the end. Well, there's just yeah. two of us in here. Oh, good, yeah. Um, I'll know who you're talking to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not, not Liz in the production room. 
Well, welcome back. Um, for anybody who is a longtime listener, uh, I think you were on one of the first 20 episodes of Snacky Tunes back in 2009. That's an extraordinary factoid. Um, which, as we were talking before, 2009 ended up being this like kind of like moment in uh, indie rock history. Yeah, I feel like that was the year that was the year a certain strain of indie rock broke. You know. Yeah, who were some of the contemporaries back then? Uh, I think of that of the year. I, 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 yeah, I think of that of the year of like uh, uh, the big uh, Grizzly Bear, Phoenix, Animal Collective, Dirty Projectors albums. Yeah, just like a, a very significant time and like yeah. a, a sound. Yeah, and like still when like dance punk was still kind of doing its thing and like everyone kind of had a beat to it. Yeah, yeah. Bef- like when, you know, there was like always kind of dancing before dance music became what it is now. And yeah, yeah. Making it cool for the indie kids to dance again. Yeah. Like and, a really th- big, at, and now yeah. I think it's just like back to indie rock being indie rock and or whatever it's called <laughs> and now just dance is EDM and trap and whatever. The indie kids stopped dancing. They, they, st- no. they, they well, <laughs> some of just kept going, kept on going to like minimal techno. Right, right. They danced elsewhere. Uh, so what, What's happened since that? How's it going? It's, bit, it's good. It's going yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. what's the progression been since two thousand and nine? Where have you Where have you been? What have you been up to? Uh, well, uh, I guess in two thousand nine was uh, when I was on here was either at the point uh, at which my old band Harlem Shakes was breaking up, and uh, we had a sort of interesting run in that we were one of those bands that opened for everyone who eventually became famous, but yeah. never actually became famous ourselves. Uh, which is a really fun story to be able to tell. Yeah. You know, how does that, um, what does that do to your six psyche? years later? At the time, I was, I, was, uh, it was, I was pretty conflicted and frustrated and unhappy about it. But now I look back and I almost feel like I dodged a bullet. You know what I mean? I mean, unless it's forever, you could still soar to those great heights. And then at some point, most bands come back down. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Uh, and I, it's, and uh, being in a band is uh, hard. And, you know, being, uh, being a big touring uh, professional act is harder than ever and i uh i'm not uh definitely not uh like a gun for that these days but i'm very happy to be just making music and putting it out and, and all of that stuff you know well our, our friends from turing machine um who you know were a couple generations before us yeah yeah they were like who the fuck makes money off being in a band like we had day jobs and we made music and like that was great that's how you do it yeah, yeah. that's yeah. How, at some point someone convinced a lot of artists that like you didn't have to have a job and write music uh and then it gets things really like complicated very quickly yeah yeah yeah. i think a lot of people got uh got their egos all psyched up uh and we were sort of at the last we're the last gasp of that whole thing happening um and uh yeah and then harlem shakes broke up in 2009 and our labels and all the people that worked with us were all sort of pissed and there was a brief uh you know morning on the internet and then everybody forgot about it uh and i have been continuing to make records as arms uh since then and how do you find the balance between being a musician um and having a a full-time job now i I find it really easy and pleasurable uh i have a full-time job that i really enjoy doing and i i in tiny little moments in between things i eke out a little bit more music and then somehow you know a couple of years pass and i realize that i have a record and you know that record uh hopefully you know gets some sort of release and you know then i go back to just you know 
pushing out tiny little pieces of music at a time. So do you record the records, um, like the record over what's like a time frame of... Because most people are, that we talk to here, like, you know, it's after their first record, it's like the last year, the last two years of their life. Are you saying like it evolves? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, so I, I finished a, a record not too long ago and it's coming out uh, early-ish next year. It's called Patterns uh, and it's the third record. Um, and this was done just kind of like whenever it sort of made sense where like some pieces would get done there'd be a couple of songs we'd jump into the studio get the drums done and then i would take it all back and record everything else myself uh and just being sort of unhurried and leisurely about it and doing a couple things at a time and then there was a certain point at which there was just like a critical mass of stuff we're like oh this is a record and you know i did a last pass we gave it to uh, my friend jason finkel who's an incredible engineer and who just like made it all sound like a record and uh, then suddenly it was done, and you know I, I think it's I think it's the best one. I'm extremely excited about it. Let's hear a song. Okay. Yeah, let's hear a song. I've got oh, a couple right. more questions. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. but let's hear a song. What's song this? first. Um, I guess if I talked about that, I should probably do a, a song from it. Yeah, I mean that would like be the most logical yeah. thing. Cool. Um, this song is called uh, "Laughing Academy," uh, and it's named after uh, Tony Soprano's term for uh, the loony bin, as it were. night you were unraveling alone in time traveling on needles and pins i was someone that time forgot leaving the oven on and frying the kids i believe i did years of playing music left my Drums liquefy. So lick your lips like envelopes and seal my fate inside. Shows no sign of waning it. You're barely containing it, and I feel it too. You're locked here in with the worried well. The summertime subway smell. The islands bloom. What are we gonna do? A life so fucking wonderful. A love so full and right. Bastards ride me out do 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 do
When you take such a long time to record songs um, and you do it in piecemeal, do you ever need to go back when you're finishing a record and like adjust some songs either for new techniques or new outlook on life? Or is it like you just a song, if it takes five years, something you wrote in year one and two, that's just kind of it? Um, sometimes I, I'll go back and like nudge a verb. You know, <laughs> it's like where there's like a there's like a pronoun that feels weird, and I'll just be like and like do some other slightly different word there. But usually, I, I think of the process of making a record as kind of like a snapshot of a certain time, even if it's like a particularly long time. And in the end, you're kind of like making all of these weird, disparate pieces feel like a singular statement, and that challenge is always interesting to me. So, do you see it? more as like a snapshot of like the last few years and like it's almost like a yeah. like a living diary if you will yeah sure sure maybe not quite so literal but but no yeah, but like that you know yeah yeah dearest dearest album yeah exactly <laughs> dear album today, today i wrote a bus and saw a girl exactly exactly um and you even note that like um the way in which you approach your music you can even like i mean when you're programming the record do you program it in the, the time that you wrote it or does that like not come into effect uh, radio dude, do you mean like track order? Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> uh, w- when I'm programming it, uh, I, uh, I, yeah, no, I don't. I, I put it all in, in something that feels like a, a narrative that is built into the music itself. Not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just because it's such an interesting way to write it. Another question is, have you ever, have you written a song or found yourself writing a song that either pre- presented like a self quandary or like a way of looking thing that you actually solve a number of years later in another song? That is an interesting question. Uh, sure. Yeah. They all do. Yeah. I think each album is a weird, is a, I think the, the last record that I, put out called summer skills which i probably just finishing up the last time i was here um was like my like anxiety record it was my supernatural anxiety record and i was definitely like trying to kind of work through a bunch of things that were happening internally at that time blowing them up into these sort of weird made-up stories with supernatural elements this album is much more sort of down to earth and immediate and aggressive and kind of natural uh, it it came at a time when I had kind of like resolved a lot of the more sort of like um, uh, Jewish guy anxiety, you know, ang- and lovable. Oh, that never Allen goes qualities. away. Yeah, I'm so no, sorry. No, no, I'm I know. So sorry that never yeah. goes away. Yeah, I, I want to say I resolved a lot of. I don't. This isn't to say that the remaining ones still don't fester, you know. But but uh, it definitely like I was coming out of a, a something that I had kind of like and like uh, you know shaking off the the remains of that. Uh, and that was this record. Um, Harlem shaking off. Yeah, I, I, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That was exactly how that was. You talked about also about stepping away from music. Um, what was what was that like, or what was that decision? Um, well, that was when I realized that you how hard it is to make a living, and uh, you know, doing it, and realizing that I didn't necessarily even want the life that being a professional musician would uh, afford me. So I 
you know, I had a couple months of uh, abject despair and confusion, and then I was like, well, shit, what do I actually want to do? Uh, and then I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'll do graphic design because I like to draw. Uh, and uh, it was a pretty extraordinary thing because I was like, oh, this is great. I love that. I've never really done it before. I took some classes. And I'm like, yeah, this is the shit. So uh, I uh, now I do that uh, professionally. And in that time, stepping away from music was amazing because I just it took all the pressure off and coming back into it. Now it's just like a hobby. It's just like the funnest hobby that I happen to have a tiny handful of fans for, which is a, a a way more exciting spot to be in than to be a struggling musician who only has a handful of fans. Right. You know. Oh, interesting. Um, all right. Well, let's hear another song. Okay. Um, this is a song from uh, the last thing I put out, called, which is called EP uh, EP Two, because um, it's the second EP, and the song is called Comfort.
So the next record comes out in spring. Sure. Yeah. 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 Is yeah. it done? Yeah, it's done. Okay. Done, done. Yeah. Uh, so does the writing process begin again after this? I don't know if I'm. A, I don't know if I'm ever going to make another pop album. Really? Yeah. What type of record would you make? I am really into uh, trying my hand at sort of like abstract, ambient, uh, and sort of electronic beat beat driven stuff. Like a Brian Eno record? Yeah, like a Brian Eno record. Okay. Yeah, my that... cat's name is Brian Eno, by the way. Oh, okay. So yes. So okay. Yeah. So, no coincidence. Not at all a coincidence. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, so then c- this could potentially be the fond farewell towards like a decade and a year of this type of music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it might be. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to be when I you know, once the thing is out, maybe I'll feel like, Oh, I could do this again. But at this point I'm almost, I feel like unburdened of a need to write pop songs, which is kind of nice. Yeah. I mean, if you scratch the itch, like yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so do you have any shows coming up? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, one of the fun pieces of opening for all of the bands that eventually became famous, but not actually becoming famous myself is that every once in a while we get to like throw something together and, you know, uh, kind of like reconnect with all of these old buddies. Uh, so on Sunday, the 13th of December at, uh, Poisson Rouge, oh, love uh, those guys, Brett and Justin, it is, they're amazing men. It's a wonderful spot yeah. and it continues to do really wonderful things. And like a really unique programming voice too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Really love what they do. Anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and to that, to that point, yeah. uh, it's going to be, it's the Dave Harrington holiday spectacular. Dave Harrington used to play in arms. Now he plays in the band dark side with Nicholas Jarre and he's a genius. One of my favorites. Like, mine, mine as well. I like, He's a musician's musician. Uh, and so we're putting a house band together and we're playing something like 25 or 30 holiday classics fronted by a different singer every time. And the singers include the, all of the folks from uh, Tokyo Police Club and Tan Lines and Real Estate and Antlers yeah, and Yesayer and yeah. like the, the, the indie rock class of the mid-2000s on up. Uh, Sunny Day in Glasgow and uh, a whole bunch of other wonderful weirdos. It's going to be really great. Yeah. Okay. That sounds. Are there tickets still available? I yes. Yeah. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Listeners, you should definitely, definitely, definitely go. You should definitely go. It's uh, like the funnest thing I do all year. I'm so psyched. I love Tokyo Police Club. Yeah. I saw Darren and I saw their first show at Barry Ballroom. Like whenever that was. Or no, Mercury yeah. Lounge. I take that back. Mercury Lounge. That was, yeah. That yeah. was a, a classic show. Long, long time ago when they still had the flags yeah. behind them. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. That's a very deep. That's very deep. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. the record's coming out on uh, Paper Garden. Shout out to them. Yes. Wonderful folks. Really lovely special folks. Special people. Really special, amazing people. We had like a love fest uh, with them this, this summer. Like, you're nice. You're nice. Yes. Um, yes. But I want to make sure. like them, yes. I want to make sure we have time to get one more song in. So... Um, where can people find you? Where can they get the first records, EPs? How can they keep track of all information? Uh, the Arm Arm Songs, A R M S O N G S, is the handle for Twitter and Facebook and okay. all of that other stuff. Uh, and uh, SoundCloud. Um, there's a really beautiful uh, remix by Dave Harrington of an Arm song that just popped up on the SoundCloud. You should check that out. It's really wonderful. Uh, and uh, the record's gonna be out next year. And I don't know. I'm generally available for weddings and bar mitzvahs that's awesome um well big shout out to johnny and Vinny. thanks for doing that and darren i hope all is well uh in la uh hello to my wonderful girlfriend darnella because i can yeah no why not yeah yeah Yeah, that's great and uh, oh happy hanukkah yes oh my gosh nice i didn't 
I didn't bring my Nora. But yeah, happy Hanukkah, first night. <laughs> didn't bring my Nora. Didn't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was traveling lighter today than I expected. Yeah. Um, all right, so what's the name of the song you're going to take us out with? Uh, this is another song from the new record. It's called Stellary. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, mm. and uh, we'll be back next week for the last uh, episode of the year, and then uh, break. Very exciting. Thanks, okay. Greg. Thanks yeah. for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being back. Yeah. All right, here we go. Okay. Close calls, near winds cling to your skeleton. Arms down and invite me in when there's nothing there for you. Close songs wear your hair long like it keeps you safe. Headlights blinking, I've gone back to my own ways. Hand starts reeling and my heart stops beating and I'm outside standing alone. I walk so calm but I can't help feeling like a short shock ready to blow. Got me trembling in your hands. Got me shaking in my shoes. Well we made Tangled in your tangled lens I forgot what forgetting is So I'll rely on you Hotels set your bones well With their songs and saves Six weeks still you can't sleep In the bed we made
HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.